Christmas. What a season. They call it a wonderful time, and it is. There's no question. It's a joyful time. We deck the halls. We jingle the bells. We hear the songs. We eat the foods. We meet the families. We travel long. We sleep short. All to make this holiday special. Now, some of us live in a, I guess you could say, a, a place of nostalgia when it comes to Christmas. And that's, that's perfectly okay. I mean, I do as well. There's a, a bit of nostalgia connected to this holiday. And it's not all bad. A study that was done by North Dakota State University says that nostalgia is largely psychologically positive. And reflecting on our memories can allay anxiety and produce feelings of contentment. Nostalgia is a special kind of reminiscence. Fred Bryan, who's a professor of psychology at Loyola University in Chicago, he said, I'm convinced that nostalgia is a form of mental time travel. To be able to go into our past and bring those feelings into our present, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily reconstruct the exact feelings we had in the past, for most of us, it's more about how it feels to think about these things. Now, hear, hear this carefully. For most of it's, it, it's how it feels to think about these things. There might be a wonderful sense of fulfillment or love or, and that is quite different from what one felt originally. That last sentence is really significant to me. It's almost as if, it's almost as if that we make what was so much better than what is. We glamorize what was. And in many respects, we then ignore what is. I confess that I can let nostalgia get away from me. And I can long for what was to be again and to miss what is. That would be a tragedy for any of us this morning and for this season, to be so connected to what was through nostalgia that we miss what is. Robert Fulgham wrote a book a number of years ago, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. I love this, I love this phrase. He said, I know, I know what I really want for Christmas. I want my childhood back. I want to laugh a lot and cry a lot. I want to be picked up or rocked to sleep in someone's arms, carried up to bed just one more time. Nobody's going to give, that, nobody's going to give me that. I, I might give at least a memory of it to myself if I try. I know it doesn't make sense, but s since when is Christmas about sense anyway? It's about a child a long ago and far away. It's about the child of now in you and me waiting behind the door of our hearts for something wonderful to happen. Wow. I really could not agree with him more. I want my childhood back. I think many of us would say, yeah, that's what I want. Why? Because there's something there that everything that happens today has taken from us. So many things just take, 
the, the joy and the magic and the beauty and the wonder of the season from us. And this series over these past few weeks is just my attempt through God's Word to re-gift to us Christmas. And this big idea, once again, is important for us to just grab one more time. To re- this, this whole series is to renew our appreciation for the Christmas holiday. To refresh our love for the traditions of Christmas. And here's the last one. To reclaim our joy in the season of Christmas. So the question that some of you might be asking right now, when you look at this big idea, you say, wait a minute, you're talking about to to renew an appreciation, to refresh the traditions, and then, of all things, to reclaim Christmas. How in the world do I do that? What what is it? Is there a magic pill I can take that's going to give this to me? How in the world can this actually happen? My life is in turmoil. My family you don't, don't even, I don't want to go there. The, the loss that I experienced this last year, Gary, you, you just don't understand. I don't, I don't know how to reclaim Christmas. I don't know what to do with it. I, I don't even know where to turn. I don't know where to begin. My response to that is, first of all, is I get it. But my second response is this. I am so excited that you are here this morning. Because I believe God's word has something that can speak into your life so that you can reclaim Christmas. The beauty, majesty, and the wonder of this season. I don't think it's coincidence that you're here today. I, I will probably say something like this again on Christmas Eve, but I must say it this morning. Some of you are here out of obligation. I get that, but I'm still so glad you're here. Some of you are, you, you are here because it's what you do at this time of the year, and I'm, again, so glad you're here. I really am. I don't make light of that at all. But here's what I want you to hear. It's not coincidence that you're here. God has something to say to you. It's just the right time for you to be here today in this moment. See, the Apostle Paul said something to a church not unlike ours. He said this in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. He said, when the time, when the right time came, God sent his son. You see, Jesus came at the perfect time in history. And I would suggest that you are here at the perfect moment in history. God wants to do something. He wants to encourage. He wants to bless. He wants to renew. He wants to restore. And he wants you to be able to reclaim the joy that truly is found at this time of the year. So pray with me if you would. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Bless our moments together. Open up our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Our go-to verse for these last few weeks has been Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. One more time, if you'd look at it with me. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That is such a a wonderful verse. It has so much, there's so much to it. The the first part of this, I I love what the angel says. Now you can imagine some shepherds on the side of a hillside out in in the nighttime and all of a sudden there's a 
big choir of angels, of bright things that are singing. I mean, and his first words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Some of us have walked through some very difficult things over the last 12 months, and fear is a natural response to some of that. But I want you to know, this season, the first thing you need to hear is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he goes on, and the angel says this, because I bring you good news. There's, who doesn't like good news? No one. We all do. If I came to you and had an opportunity to have a car, I have some good news for you. Say, so I don't want that. Stop that. Don't give me any good news. I don't know. No, no, no. If you got bad news, I'll take that, but don't give me no good news. Nobody's going to say that. We love good news. Not only that, the angel goes on and says, I bring you good news that's going to result in great joy. Okay, I'm down with that. Let's hear what this is. You see, right here we have a message from the angel to not just those shepherds, but to us. Don't be afraid, because there's some good news around this season. And when we embrace that good news, when we reclaim what the season is, great joy is the outcome. So, I want to give you five things in a way that we can reclaim Christmas. Number one, five things to reclaim Christmas. Number one, refused to be stressed. Be at peace. Okay. Now, I found something this as I was studying that I thought was really quite extraordinary. I didn't realize that there is an actual thing called festive stress. And I thought, festive stress? So I went a little deeper, and this is, this is what I discovered. This is according to research. Now, I'm, I really, I've looked at, the, I've looked at what I've studied and I'm just going to take it at face value. This particular study said 31% of Americans described the holiday of Christmas as being frantic. Now, if you would say, yeah, that's me, just nod your head or, you know, or go, oh my, or whatever. Frantic. The, the festive, this is the part that just, I begin to laugh. And I don't want to make light. If you're dealing with festive stress, Believe me, I have empathy for you. I really do. But this starts to make me laugh. Listen to this. How specific this study got. The festive stress timeline extends throughout December. Okay. With initial, with initial bursts of holiday-related stress popping up around December 13. So, okay, December 13, festive stress begins. And then, listen to this. The turning point from mild to severe festive stress comes on December 18th. And it peaks on Christmas Day at 2.05 p.m. Okay, now listen, I might not, these guys are either brilliant or they're completely off their rock. I don't know which it is. So right about the time you're sitting down for Christmas dinner, everything's just going to blow up. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Do your smartphone. Do a little reminder. 205, don't be stressed. Don't let it happen. So look at this. And here's the, here's the reality. Some of us, we just need a holiday from our holiday. It just wears us out. So I look at the things that might, <laughs> might cause us stress. Uh, family causes us stress. You go, oh, no, oh, yeah, because they're all showing up to your house. you got to get it all ready. 
and you're going, where am I going to put everybody? I don't know what to do. Then, I've got to, then I have to feed them. So the food gives you stress. And then it adds to it when you're watching the cooking channels and these people are going off making these holiday treats. You're going, that is absolutely out of question. I can't do that. But the family expects the food. And then festivities. I was, ta- I was talking to someone in our family, or I, I learned of someone in our family. This is Thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit. This individual, because of the family dynamics, had to attend, ready? Seven Thanksgivings. I don't even know how to respond. But you see, we go from party to party, family to family, event to event, and it's just overwhelming. And then we sit, in the, we sit at home and go, I don't want to do one more thing. I, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm just done. Well, then, you add to that friends. And they're all well-meaning. But you go, I, gotta, I have to do some of them too. And then the fails of the holidays. And maybe the most classic fail of all you can see you could probably find it on YouTube, Christmas vacation, the meal, the Christmas meal, and the beautiful turkey that's standing in front of Clark W. Griswold, and as he touches the turkey, the turkey just absolutely explodes. <laughs> and the girl who made the turkey is now weeping because there was a complete fail. Now what, you think, well that's just a movie. Oh no, 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 I have someone in my family had that exact same thing happen, cooked the turkey too long, touched it, and it exploded. And now she has vowed, I will never cook again at holidays. Fails. See, all of these things bring festive stress, don't they? Then you add finances to that. Do you know that the average family spends about $688 on Christmas? Now you look at it, you go, some, some, and I know this to be true, some will go into debt for Christmas. And then they're going to have to spend the next 12 months of 2020 getting out of debt from 19. And then they'll repeat, and they'll repeat. And the finances stress us. See, festive stress is real. So how do we deal with it? For three things. First, first, admit it. Stress is going to happen. And we need to realize that there are times that stresses are going to be magnified. Admit that. And it helps us to understand that Jesus understood stress. Luke 22, he was praying in the garden. And we read that, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now look at this. He prayed more fervently. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit. The stress of what he was dealing with. He under- so when we're in the middle of stress, understand Jesus gets it. He's there with us. The, the second thing is we need to understand it. We need to know the things that will cause it. Admit it and then just know the things that are going to bring it. You know that you're going to have family and friends and there's going to be things that... Understand it. Know it's there. And then the third part is to handle it. Just simply handle it. I found this phrase and I thought it was so good. The primary 
goal in handling stress is to learn how to depend upon God and please him, not simply to get rid of stress. You say, but this is about festive. Yes, our attention needs to be turned off of the stuff, of the nostalgia of Christmas, and back to the real intention and point of this entire season. To be at peace is to depend upon God and trust his promises to you. Psalm 120, verse number one. I was desperate for you to help me in my struggles, and you did. Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the prince of what? Peace. Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. In Philippians 4, don't be anxious or worry or stressed out about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Refuse to be stressed, be at peace, be at peace. Number two, use the momentum of Christmas to share the good news. Use the momentum of Christmas to share the good news. Marcy and I were driving up our street on Monday night, and I made a statement to her. I said, you know, our street's done pretty good decorating for Christmas. A lot of houses have lights and a lot of little stuff, you know, on the, on the um, yards and the like, and it was, it was all good. We got to the mall. We were on our way to the mall. We had to pick up something that had been delivered, and so we're on our way to the mall, and we get to the mall, and for a Monday night, there were a lot of people in the mall doing Christmas stuff, and then we went over to Williams-Sonoma to get some hot apple cider because they always have some brewing or some hot chocolate or something. So we get some hot outsider. And then, then we went back into the mall, and there's Hickory Farms giving out samples. And then, and then there's the gift wrapping station where you can go get all your stuff wrapped. And then you walk by all of the tree display. where you know, what, what am I, what, What's my point? My point is there is a natural momentum at Christmas. You can't help but see it. It's everywhere. And... While it might be a happy holiday, keeping Christ in this, in this season is an opportunity to share the good news. You see, the angel said, I bring you good news that will be for all people. It's great joy for everyone. Use the momentum that is naturally there for Christmas to share the reason we celebrate why we, what we celebrate. When you're having a conversation with your neighbor, you might just say, you know, your lights look great. Your lights look great. I'm so glad you're celebrating Christmas and the birth of our Savior. It's an opportunity to share the good news. Maybe with that person who is stressed out beyond words, you can bring a word of good news. Use the opportunity of the season to share the good news. Jesus said in John chapter 12, Verse 32, he says, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people. I will draw all people toward me. You see, when we lift up Jesus to our, hear me, when we lift up Jesus to our family, when we lift up Jesus to our friends, when we lift up Jesus in the opportunities that, that Christmas presents to us, something happens. People are drawn to Jesus. They're not drawn to the stuff of Christmas, although that may be the way we get them there, but they're drawn to Jesus. It's the opportunity to share the good news. I love that. Third thing that we can do to reclaim Christmas is to be carefully and thoughtfully generous. Carefully and thoughtfully generous. Let's be honest. We all enjoy 
you got to get honest here. We all enjoy receiving gifts. If you don't enjoy receiving gifts, give them to me. Because I like getting them. Gary, Gary Chapman wrote a book a few years ago titled Five Love Languages. And he, in this book, he, he identifies five different languages by which you express love or people feel loved. And the, the words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality, time, and physical touch. Those are five ways that you receive, receive love. Now, if you're curious, I'll tell you, well, even if you're not curious, I'm going to tell you what mine is. So there you go. Words of affirmation, that's my love language. Now, hear this, but I still love receiving gifts. All of us do. There's something very special about this. And being thoughtfully and carefully generous. I just need to, to brag on some of our folks. Terry and Chuck Keimer are part of us, Overseas Circle of Care, which is a great ministry here at Crossroads Church. They do such an amazing job of blessing families. And I want to tell you, on Thursday of this past week, through, their, through the toy giveaway, the various locations here and, and the other locations throughout the valley, 1,700 children were blessed with Christmas. That, come on, we got to give a hand to the Lord. We got to give a hand to those who serve. What? But here's, here's why I bring that up because they were carefully and thoughtfully generous. They figured out a way to do this so that people were blessed. That, that, that Christmas had a, different, had a different feeling than maybe it's had in the past. For all of us, we need to, we need to adopt the same, the, the same process of thinking. I want to be generous at Christmas, but I want to do so thoughtfully and carefully. There's probably not a Christmas that goes by that I don't find a Salvation Army kettle and make sure that I do what I can in the kettle. Why? Because I'm, I know what Salvation Army does. They do good things. I want to help them. And you see, if there's no other time that we could be generous, this is a time, we, we love receiving gifts, that's what happens. But if there's no better time to flip the script, and for us to just not receive, but to give, to be thoughtful about that and careful about it. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, receiving is good. Receiving is good, but giving is better. Giving is not a zero-sum game. The more you give, the more you have. And at Christmas, how much, how much more true could that be? 2 Corinthians 9 says, I will, God will make you rich in every way that you can always give freely. And your giving will cause many to give thanks to God. I know the season's almost over. I know that the Salvation Army kettles are disappearing. The opportunities are becoming less and less. But you see, if, if generosity is only a seasonal thing, then we've missed the point. Jesus came as an expression of the gift of God, not for a season, but for all time. And for us to be generous is there's no greater expression of the love of God than to be generous on all 
occasions. So you can still do random acts of kindness. You can give your time. You can give your warmth and friendship to someone who who needs a friend. You can give a listening ear or a shoulder to lean on. Be carefully and thoughtfully generous, not just in the season, but always. It helps you reclaim Christmas. Number four, adopt a posture of worship. Adopt a posture of worship. Once again, I want to applaud you for being here today because I know how much time Christmas commands. But you have, you have set aside some time to come and worship. In fact, I read a statistic that somewhere between 33 and 66 hours every person spends getting ready for Christmas. And then if you throw gift wrapping into that mix for a guy, well, you know, do the math, whatever that looks like for you. You know, uh, it said that gift wrapping usually comprises about four, 4.1 hours. And I, don't, I think that's about right for one guy and one gift. I mean, that's just about right. And that's why these whole things called gift bags, oh, man, they are a godsend. Because, man, you can take that gift, throw it in that bag, put that bow on it, stick it under the tree, and you're done. Or these, these nesting boxes that you use year after year, oh, once again, it's a miracle of technology. Because it just saves so much grief. I don't know, I don't know how much time you, you spend getting ready for Christmas. But I'm I'm challenged by something. A lot of time. There's a lot of time devoted to it. There, there were there's a story in the, in the book of Matthew about the wise men, the, the magi, who came to visit Jesus. And listen, look at this with me, Matthew 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men came from eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. You see, these guys studied the stars, whether they were astronomers, astrologers, they they were scholars in their land. And whatever the star was, and there's a lot of different theories about what the star is, they observed this and they made preparations to go to Bethlehem. Now, they were approximately, by some estimations, 900 miles away. Now, this is first century. This is not jump on Southwest Airlines and, because you want to get away. No, this is a caravan Can you imagine the time it took to prepare for that trip? This isn't just walk around the corner and get it done. No, this is acquiring the materials. It's planning the trade route. It is acquiring then defense or protection as they would travel. It is the food. It is the camping spots. It's the oasis. It's the water. It is everything to get from one location to another. It could have taken them anywhere from three months to two years to make the journey. That's a lot of preparation. But what does the scripture tell us? They came for one reason, to worship. They put all of the effort into preparation to do one thing, to worship. And I am challenged by that. I'm frankly convicted by that. 
Because I wonder, here's the question I ask, am I investing as much time in my worship as I am in preparing for this holiday? And I will have to answer, I don't think so. I'm just not sure that in all of the stuff that I do, it's not that it's, un, it's, not that it's bad. There's nothing bad about it. But if our focus is not worship, and we are not adopting a posture of worship at this time of the year, then what is the point? Am I willing to invest the same amount of time as I, in worship as I am everything else? So I want to leave six words with you. With that in mind, no, we're going to say them. No, we're not going to say them. We're going to sing them. So I'm going to ask you to sing them with me. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. One more time. Oh, come, let us adore Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ. This time of the year when we adopt a posture of worship, it is not something that should be seasonal only, but should last all year long. It should be how our lives are characterized. Hebrews chapter 13, listen to the, how, how the writer of Hebrews says it, through him, Jesus, therefore let us at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, that, look at this, that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his That's what this is about, adopting a posture of worship. And lastly, focus on the why of Christmas more than the what. Focus on the why of Christmas more than the what. These are things that will help us reclaim Christmas. Some years ago, we were, we were out shopping, and we were at Pleasanton Mall, Sun Valley, excuse me, uh, <clears throat> Stone Ridge Mall in Pleasanton, California. And doing some Christmas shopping. And I was standing, I think Marcy and I were separate at the point. She was out looking for something and I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was trying to find something or stumbling around not knowing what I was looking for. But I was in Nordstrom's right near the escalator. And I'm sitting there in the escalator. I got caught up right in the middle of a flash mob. And it was, it was so much fun. I'm, I'm literally, I am right in the middle. There are people all around me who started singing the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. It was just mind-blowing. And I'm so grateful that through times in high school and college and beyond, I have had the privilege of singing and singing the Messiah and singing the Hallelujah Chorus numerous times. And so I knew it. And so I jumped in and started singing too. I couldn't, I couldn't withhold, I just couldn't hold back. And this gal standing next to me, I think she kind of did this like, what are you doing? You know, that kind of a deal. Frankly, I didn't care at that moment. 
because I'm, I'm singing with all my heart. And here's, here's what happened. Right in the middle of the what, the why shows up. And I'm standing there and I'm singing and he shall reign forever and forever. Hallelujah. That's the message of Christmas. It all started with a baby in Bethlehem. But I can't expect, nor can we, that we can have a flash mob show up to get us reoriented back to the why. We have got to, in a proactive way, keep our focus on the why of Christmas. You see, this is God accomplishing his plan, which is all about salvation. It's bringing us into right relationship with him. What a message. Remember, this is good news. And it is of great joy, which shall be to all people. You may be familiar with this name, Corey Tenbaum. Maybe not. Corey was a Dutch watchmaker in, in the Netherlands during World War II, and she was instrumental in saving about 800 lives from Nazi occupation and certain death. She wrote about her story in her book, The Hiding Place. But Corey says this of Christmas. She said, who can add to Christmas? But just, just pause on that a second. Who can add to Christmas? How can we put one more thing into Christmas that would make it any better than what she says? The perfect motive is, is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. And the reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. The why. The why of Christmas is so much more important than the what. And if by chance you didn't recognize the verse that's embedded in her statement, many of you know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is good news. To reclaim Christmas today, these five things will help. There's no question. But maybe the best thing, or no, not maybe, the best thing is to embrace Christ, to claim him as your Savior. And let the good news that was announced by an angel bring great joy to your life for this season and for every season from this day forward.